You are listening to a Spoken Word Ministries podcast. Our heart is to proclaim the gospel and equip believers for ministry. If you're interested in learning more about our ministry, go to www.swma.ca. You can also find us on Facebook. Now sit back and enjoy this message. All right. So I'm going to share from a bit of a strange passage today. Um, we were doing a, a leadership seminar here this last uh, last weekend, and uh, with a church uh, council um, in the area here where I'm at, and we uh, got looking at Ezekiel chapter 34, so a fairly obscure uh, obscure passage, and uh, but an interesting passage. And it speaks a lot about church leadership. It speaks about religious leadership. It speaks about community leadership um, and and that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, I think probably one of the reasons why it's been on my heart a little bit lately is just because, you know, we, in our, in our country right now, especially probably around the world, but we're all, there's so much struggle with leadership. And... Um, it's um, got to the point where it's totally distracting. You know, I think about a young friend of mine I was talking to here just recently, and he's driving himself nuts watching the news. And I'm going, you know, you might have to lay off the news for a little bit um, because all the stuff that's happening in leadership. So, yeah. So anyway, let's. I, what I just want to do is I just want to walk through this passage of Ezekiel. 34. And, um, and uh, hopefully there's a, a word here for, for us. Let's uh, take a moment to pray. God Almighty, we tell you we love you. We thank you for your mercy for us. We thank you for each person who is out there listening right now, engaging by video and on Facebook Live. And we pray, Lord, that you will pour out your spirit, your power, your presence upon each of us. May you draw us close to you, May you give us that sense that we are in your hands and that no one else is in control of us, our, our destiny, our lives, except you. So, Lord, we offer ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, again, you know, as I look at this whole leadership uh, thing, um, you know, I think about people that have uh, lost their focus. I think about people in leadership that have lost their, their way, so to speak. And so this chapter. I basically just want to read it and then make some comments out of it. And so Ezekiel um, says, the word of the Lord came to me. And I found myself stopping and thinking, what does that mean? The word of the Lord came to me. It means that God wanted to, to communicate something to his people. So back in the day, the Old Testament, you know, there are these guys called prophets, and they were the ones who sort of heard the word of the Lord uh, God would speak to them, and then they would speak God's word um, to the people. And so God initiates this connection. Um, and God wants to talk to his people. He speaks to Ezekiel, and so the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel. And he says, Son of man, which is a little bit of a, a name, a way of speaking uh, to Ezekiel. God often calls him Son of man. And it says, Prophesy against the shepherds of Israel which means declare the truth, speak the word of God against 
the shepherds in Israel. Prophesy, sometimes a lot of people, we, you know, we often think about prophecy and prophesying, we think about it as predicting the future, which in some cases it can be. But in this case, it means to speak or proclaim or declare the truth against the shepherds of Israel. So God is saying to, to, to his people, I am against your leadership. Um, I am against your spiritual overseers. Prophesy, it says, and say to them, uh, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to you, shepherds. Woe is an old word, right? Like you're, you're in trouble. Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, you clothe yourselves with the wool and the slaughter, and you slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost, but you have ruled them harshly and brutally. So again, a little bit of old language going on here, but, but it says a, a number of things. First thing that it says to me is, it says that, uh, that the shepherds that God speaks of, the leadership of Israel. And you know, for those of you who are interested and want to read a little bit of what uh, New Testament stuff has to say about government and about leadership and, and such, you can read, uh, you know, Romans 13. Um, and it talks about how government, it talks about how leadership, it talks about how you know, ultimately even spiritual leadership, like pastors and such, they have a calling from God. They've been called by God into a ministry. They've been put in place by God. They've been given a role and a task by God. And this word comes to speak to them about the fact that they are not carrying out their role. They are not doing what they are called to do. Romans 13 speaks about how good government, good leadership is put in place by God in order to be God's instrument, in order to keep us safe, in order to keep our society safe, in order to um, uh, be God's instrument of righteousness, of doing things rightly and healthily and, and in a good way. And oftentimes that leadership twists sideways and becomes engaged in selfishness. And so this is what the sovereign sa Lord says, Woe to you shepherds of Israel who only take care of yourselves. The leadership that he's speaking to has lost their focus. Uh, They're not taking care of the sheep. Um, God says, should not shepherds take care of the flock? That is your goal. That is your intent. That is your calling. Instead, what do you do? You eat the curds, to clothe yourselves in the wool, and slaughter the choice animals. In other words, they're basically harvesting the flock. They're harvesting the people that God sent them to take care of. Don't get me wrong. You know, I'm a pastor. And uh, for me to do what I do full time, I'm dependent on um, the ministry that I work with is dependent on the gifts of donors. So certainly, you know, as I minister to people, um, the the gratitude of a lot of the people that I minister to comes back in the way of offerings to our ministry, and it allows us to have a salary, and it allows us to put food on the table and all that kind of stuff. But that's different than what is being spoken of here. Uh, instead of having a primary goal to minister to people, to share the love of Christ with people, to bring the Word of God to people, and then secondarily, enjoying uh, the support of people who empower that kind of ministry. What's happened in this particular passage is 
the shepherds, and again, we're talking about spiritual shepherds here. We're actually not talking about government leaders. We're talking about spiritual shepherds, the, the ones God is speaking of. He says, you have lost your way and you have begun to harvest the flock. How do you tell a false leader? A false leader or a false shepherd harvests the flock for his own purposes. Their goal is to get what they can get from you rather than to give what they have been given to give to you. It describes them as, uh, as uh, those who do not take care of the flock. It says you have not strengthened the weak. So I found myself, there's all this, this language here. It says you have not done this and you've not done this and you've not done this. You've not strengthened the weak. You've not healed the sick. You've not bound up the injured. You've not brought back the strays. So if we flip this on, on its end, you know, what is a good, what does a healthy spiritual leader look like? Those of you who are interested in spiritual leadership, those of you who um, are looking for healthy leadership, what does that look like? Simply put is this. It says that a healthy leader strengthens the weak. That's what a healthy leader does. A healthy leader looks for those weak, seeks out those weak, strengthens them, brings strength to them. That's what Jesus did. Jesus rarely went to the strong because the strong are arrogant in their own strength. What Jesus did is he went to the weak. He went to those people who knew and understood their own weakness, their own need for something more than what they had. That's what a healthy leader does. It says you have not healed the sick. So what does a healthy leader do? A healthy leader brings healing. And that is part of our goal as a Christian church, as those who follow Christ. Christ came to, and he healed the sick. And he healed the sick in more ways than just physical. He healed the sick emotionally. He healed them spiritually. He healed them physically. We are called to bring healing into this world. That God wants to use us. And again, you know, it's, it's interesting because a healthy spiritual leader is not somebody that generates that healing on their own. They're sort of like Ezekiel. Ezekiel didn't generate the word of God on his own. Ezekiel was that person in the on this earth that person in this particular community who god spoke through so the word that was ezekiel proclaimed came from god it's the same thing with us if we look at first corinthians 12 when we do a study on the spiritual gifts one of them is the gift of healing and it speaks of how god by the by the power of his spirit gives gifts of healing through certain individuals people who he chooses at certain times in certain places you know i, I have had a huge amount of um, experience with healing. I wouldn't call myself being really gifted with healing, but I do, I have had a number of experiences. I've seen people heal. And I think about the last guy, I, I think one of the last guys that got healed when I prayed for him. He came walking into one of our seminars uh, toward the end of the seminar, and he was all sort of bent over and his back was twisted. And I said, what's wrong with you? And he said, oh, I just fell off the scaffold today and I tore my back. And he was getting ready to drop something off and then go off to the doctor. And, and he says, you know, you can pray for me. I said, fine, sure, let's pray for you. <laughs> and I uh, laid my hand on his back and I said, dear Lord, this man needs your help. Come, Lord Jesus, put his back back in place and speak your healing over in Jesus' name. And I turned away from him for a moment. To, somebody was, was asking me a question. They'd come up on the other side. I dealt with the question. I turned back to him and here he is standing, bolt upright in front of me. He's going like, his eyes are wide. He's going like, okay, I was just healed. You know, blew us both away. Powerful, powerful stuff that God wants to bring into this world through good spiritual leadership. And one of those things is healing. So, you know, as we look at spiritual leadership, uh, a healthy spiritual leadership 
strengthens the weak. They, they, they heal the sick. They bring healing to the sick. Um, you know, that's a bit of an interesting one. You know, when I think about that, if somebody told me to go out and heal someone, I'm going like, and, and what do you expect me? How do you expect me to do that? We bring the God of healing with us. And so we actually get to bring the presence of Christ into the room, the spirit of God into the room, working through us to heal. It's not up to us to heal. It is up to us to let God heal through us. And it is up to us to bring that message of a God who wants to heal. That that is one of the reasons he came, to restore his people, to bring healing to those who are broken. So a healthy leader heals. Uh, it says a healthy leader, you know, also binds up the injured. You know, we might not be able to heal everything. But there are people with injuries, people with wounds, people with hurts. And some of the times those can be as simple as physical wounds. You know, we pray for them. Uh, you know, think about that. You know, if I pray for somebody and they don't get healed, I don't, I'm not supposed to look at them and say, oh, well, on to the next guy. You know, if they don't get healed and, and there's, they, they're still in their injury, what do I do? I'm called to go the next step of the journey and to bind up their injuries, to help them. There's a, a story... In the New Testament of Jesus, you know, he told, tells the story about the Good Samaritan. And he says, you know, how um, there were two uh, spiritual leaders from the nation of Israel came walking by. This guy got beaten up and he got left by the roadside. And one of these uh, spiritual leaders come walking by and he saw the guy beat up and he passes by on the other side, pretends he doesn't see anything. Another guy comes along, he does the same thing. And the third guy comes along. The third guy is actually a Samaritan. And the story goes that the Samaritans and the Jews hate each other. So there's a lot of bigotry between those two nations. And yet along comes this, uh, this Samaritan, and he sees this guy beat, wounded, and he, he looks beyond his nationality, and he sees another human being. And out of the compassion that Christ has put in his heart, he reaches down, he picks this guy up, he loads him onto his, his back animal, he takes him to the local uh, hotel, uh, and, he, and he says to the innkeeper, the hotel keeper, he says, take care of this guy. I'm going to finish a business trip. When I get back, if you spent more money on him than I left you, I'll pay you more. He takes care of this guy. And he shows this man in the taking care of him, his value as a person. You know, I mean, again, you know, as we look at one another, and I think about some of the leadership dynamics that I see even happening in our, in our country nowadays, there's so many stereotypes about you know, your nationality is this, your nationality is this, your gender is this, your gender is that, blah, blah, blah. And everybody's labeled by all these things. And we're starting to lose focus on the humanity of people. We are all people. You know, I had a brother who was quadriplegic. And this brother of mine, you know, we went to a lot of healing services with him. He was never healed. I guess, you know, until he died, I guess you could say that he was healed when he was taken home to heaven. But physically, he was never healed. He was a huge blessing to those of us um, who knew him. But this brother, you know, his weaknesses were very evident. He lived in a wheelchair. And uh, I often remember people, you know, coming into the room and they would speak to him differently. They would speak loudly to him. They would speak slowly to him like he was stupid, you know. And he was intellectually all there. But people would look at his appearance and they would make, uh, they, they would categorize him in their mind and they would adjust their behavior to him and treat him like their stereotype dictated. 
And sometimes they lost, they lost sight of the fact that he was a person. You know what I mean? So this whole idea, you know, God says, woe to you leaders, you've not strengthened the weak. That's part of your job. A good leader strengthens the weak. You've not healed uh, the sick. That's part of your job. A, a, a leader brings healing. You've not bound up the injured. You haven't looked at the wounds people carry and how broken they are, and you haven't brought comfort to them. You haven't showed the care that speaks of seeing the person. You know, just prior to that, it talks about how these leaders harvest the flock. You know, and, and really what God says, the problem here is, is that these leaders, they have lost the ability to see the people. Instead, they only see meat. They only see, they only see things sitting out there that they can harvest. They've lost the personal contact with the people. He goes on and he says, you have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. And I think about that, you know, flip that statement on its head. What does a healthy spiritual leader do? They search for the strays and they bring back the lost. You know, I'm in a church community um, that's been through hard times over the last couple of decades. And there's the church community, and it's not just this particular church, there's a number of churches in the area that have been through hard times and there's been struggles in leadership and there's been struggles in this and struggles in life and all that kind of stuff. And and pastors have come and pastors have gone. Jeepers, I'm, I'm learning about this, this rotation of pastors thing. Like for crying out loud, all you pastors, stay in your jobs. You know, don't leave the people. Don't move on. This is what I'm learning. And I say that as a guy who has moved on. But there's this, there, with, with the struggle that comes with all that stuff, the people have become disillusioned. The people have become lost. There are people who, you know, in this place, they tasted Christ years ago and they have wandered away from that because of what some of the leadership they've experienced has done. And so I find myself back in this community and I'm going, God, what do I do? And I feel like God has been saying to me, he says, I want you to seek after the lost. I want you to seek after the strays. Those people that have lost their way, go after them. You know, it's interesting to me as I, as I spend my time here and God is putting me in contact with people that have lost their way. That, that's part of my, part of my calling. Honestly speaking, a lot of people that have lost their way, they become disillusioned, they become angry. Uh, they're not so easy to seek out. They're not so easy to bring back because they've been betrayed, because they've been disillusioned. They don't trust easily again. And yet part of my calling is to go after those folks. And, and so it's, it's been sort of interesting for me because as I look at all the work that it entails to pursue someone who has become disillusioned with their faith, um, it is a lot of work. But there's something that I'm experiencing that goes beyond the work. I'm experiencing this sense of the heart of God and how he grieves at those who have wandered away. He grieves at those who have been lost. I was told the story of a man who lives some way from here and he's alone and he's wandered a long ways away from his faith. And my heart breaks for this man. 
and I'm seeking him out. So, you know, this uh, passage, it speaks about what a good leader is. A good leader takes care of the flock to strengthen the weak, to heal the sick, to bind up the injured. And they search for the lost. They search for the strays. The stray is one who is part of the family and has wandered away. The lost are those who have never yet been introduced to the family. You know, powerful stuff. You know, it goes on and it says this. So they scattered, the, the people were scattered because there was no shepherd, or the flock was scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep wandered all over the mountains and over every high hill, and they were scattered over the whole earth, and no one searched or looked for them. You know, and it's interesting because with this, this criticism of leaders or this criticism of shepherds who have failed their duty or have wandered away from their duty or they got caught up in the accumulation of physical things rather than doing their spiritual calling, it speaks about how valuable those shepherds are. They are a real loss. You know, God is speaking to them ideally because he wants to draw them back into their calling. That's what he would love to do. Um, because they have a valuable role. You know, again, as I, uh, um, as I minister, there's an increasing dissatisfaction with church. There's an increasing dissatisfaction with, with faith communities. Uh, partly because I think a lot of us, you know, again, we, we, we are losing our focus with the, the struggles we run into in this world. And so the, the role of the shepherd, the role of a healthy leader is so important. It says because there was no shepherd, the sheep wandered. You know, one of the things that, that I, I find myself increasingly challenged with is YouTube. <laughs> I mean, YouTube is... Uh, is an interesting place, and there's all kinds of interesting stuff on it. But man, the quackery that's on YouTube about religious things—you wouldn't believe it. Well, maybe you would. You know, there's people teaching their their stuff everywhere, hither, yon, six ways from sun, Sunday, and a lot of it's contradictory, and a lot of it's legalistic, and a lot of a lot of it just takes you back into slavery. And so I find a lot of times with people that I that I do draw in or that do come into the realm of ministry that God has given me, one of the things that they struggle with is they struggle with this confusion. They struggle with the legalism. They struggle with the, un, the, the unbiblical teachings. They struggle with six different types of truth taught at them from six different ways and all the confusion and all the conflict that that engenders in their lives. And so to bring them back and to found them, to anchor them in Jesus yet again, in the good shepherd, in the teaching of God's word is so important. A shepherd is an important thing. And again, you know, I, I think about people that have often been wounded and hurt by pastors. I've met many of them. I've done a little bit of apologizing on my own for some of the people that I've injured as I grew in my young ministry. But I think about, you know, some of those people and how wounded they are. And some people, the way they deal with their wounds and betray from betrayals with pastors and stuff or spiritual leaders is they just go, you know, I don't need a pastor. I can be on my own. I can do my Christianity on my own. I can do my faith on my own. But this says, no, you're not meant to be on your own. You know, if we talk to a shepherd, a sheep is not meant to be on its own because a sheep is going to very soon become lunch to some local predator if he's on his own. The sheep not only needs other sheep, 
Because a group of sheep, like a flock of sheep left on its own, they'll become a big lunch to a bunch of predators real quick. The sheep need a shepherd because the shepherd oversees that group. The shepherd becomes a rallying point for that group. The shepherd protects that group. Yeah, it's interesting as you read your way through your Old Testament, you'll find stories about how David, you know, one of the early shepherds recorded in the Bible, laid his life on the line to fight for his sheep. And he fought predators and he fought big predators. But he took care of his sheep. John 10 speaks about Jesus, the great shepherd, and how Jesus takes care of his sheep. And how the sheep automatically cluster around him because they know that he is safe. And they feel the safety and the peace when they're near him. A good shepherd should be that way. You know, I think about um, so many people I've met over the years who they don't feel safe around their pastor. They don't feel safe around their spiritual leader. And I ask them why. Because they say, because I, I still struggle with sin. I still have weaknesses and I don't want my pastor to know because he'll judge me or punish me. And I'm going, that shouldn't be. That shouldn't be. A shepherd, a leader, so important, but they need to be a safe person to go to. That's what Jesus was like. It says that God will rescue his flock from ungodly shepherds. Right? Verse 7 says, Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. So God has now spoken of what these shepherds have become, how they betrayed their calling. He's also spoken of what a valuable calling it was that they turned away from. And then he says, you know, that God will ultimately, okay, he'll take it in his own hands and he will remove the shepherds who betray their calling. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, because my flock lacks a shepherd and has so been plundered and has become food for all the wild animals, because my shepherds did not search for my flock, but cared for themselves rather than um, for my flock. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. So a little bit of repetition here. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I am sin. I am against the shepherds and will hold them accountable for my flock. You know, some of us, we, we, we've experienced uh, abuse at the hands of shepherds, abuse at the hands of pastors or spiritual leaders, people who betrayed us. And, and we've been angry at that. And, you know, they're, they're, again, you know, Jesus talks about how, you know, we, we have to put such people in the hands of God. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, you know. We have to put people in the hands of God. It is not up to us to hold on to the bitterness and the unforgiveness toward those who have abused us. If we do that, we will poison ourselves. We will lose our own peace for the sake of holding on to that grudge. So Jesus calls us to lay such people that have betrayed us, including our spiritual leaders, when they have failed us. We lay them in the hands of God. And God will hold them accountable. I will remove them from tending my flock so that my shepherds can no longer feed themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths and it will no longer be food for them. For this is what the Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. Okay, so now we have a shift happening here. God says, I will remove the perverted shepherds. I will remove the twisted shepherds. I will remove the shepherds that had a good calling. And, you know, so many of us, you know, um, in, in life, we start well. I think about Paul in Galatians. We started well, but we drifted away into selfishness. God says, I will remove such people. 
Now, if you've just drifted away into selfishness or you've had a spiritual leader that's drifted into selfishness uh, and, and, and he's really repentant in his heart or she's repentant in her heart or you're repentant in your heart, God will restore you. That's what God's promise is. But for those who actually dedicate themselves to their selfishness and turn deliberately away from God and begin to use the flock for their own purposes, God says, I will remove them and I will take their place. So back in the Old Testament, we have this old religious system. It's dependent on priests. The priests became selfish. Really, you know what? What happened in Jesus? When Jesus came, God removed all those old shepherds. He removed the selfish priests. He removed the selfish overseers. He removed them all, and he replaced them with himself. God came to us in the person of Jesus, and Hebrews says he is the high priest of our calling. He has replaced all other spiritual leaders. Any spiritual leader, any pastor that we have right now, gets his or her calling from Jesus. But Jesus is that primary shepherd. He says, I will search for my sheep and look after them. That's what Jesus does. He searches for his sheep. And when he finds his sheep, he takes care of his sheep. He doesn't leave his sheep to, to look after themselves. He doesn't just visit his sheep. He says, I will take care of you. And I, I've got to be honest, I have to look back at my own walk with God. As I have walked the, the journey that I have, God has taken care of me. He's been faithful. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so I will look after my sheep. So Jesus says when, when he comes and he finds the church and he finds the people of faith scattered all over the place, it says he will step into the midst of them and he will begin to seek them out and he will begin to draw them back. He says, I will rescue them from the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. So he will rescue us. He will bring us back from those places. That, that day of clouds and darkness, that was the bad days. Those were the hard days. Those were the days when it seemed like everything was falling apart around us and we were being betrayed. God will reach into those places in our lives and he will begin to bring us back. And he says, I will draw them out from their, the nations and gather them from the countries and I will bring them into their own land. And I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel in the Razim. You know, I'm reminded of Psalm 23. You know, that the Lord comes and he will lead us in green pastures and beside still waters. He will bring us to that place which is our own place. And he will give us rest in that place. And he says, I myself will tend my sheep. God won't just have somebody else do it, but God himself will tend the sheep. You know, again, you know, as you go to, go to church, you listen to the pastor preach, you listen to the pastor speak, you know, maybe if you're in the hospital and the chaplain comes in and all that kind of stuff, and he comes in with all the religious stuff that he brings and he's he's praying for you, and then he leaves. God, God's promise is God won't leave that hospital room when the chaplain does. God will stay there. His spirit will come and be with you. And he says, I myself will tend you and I will have you lie down. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weakened. The, the weakened. The weak. Strengthen the weak. But the sleek and strong I will destroy. I will shepherd my flock with justice. So anyway, interesting stuff. It goes on and it says this. So then I got thinking about, you know, there's actually two parts in this passage. One of it where it talks about the shepherds. The shepherds would become selfish and begin to use the sheep and use their position for their own ends. 
and how God comes to replace those shepherds and begins to draw his people back to himself. This is the desire of God to redeem everything and to draw us back. And then it goes on and it talks about a faith community. So it shifts now from the shepherd to the faith community. And then it says, so it says this, that we will be accountable for our role in our faith community as well. As for you, my flock, this is what the sovereign Lord Lord says, I will judge between one sheep and another, between rams and goats. Is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture? Must you also trample the rest of the pasture with your feet? Is it not enough for you to drink clear water? Must you also muddy the rest with your feet? Must my flock feed on what you have trampled and drink what you have muddied with your feet? Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says to them. See, I myself would judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep. Because you shove with flank and shoulder, butting all the weak sheep with your horns until you've driven them away. He says, I will save my flock and they will no longer be plundered. I will judge between one sheep and another. It's sort of interesting because the picture is here around a feed trough. And around the feed trough, the water trough, you see the sheep gathered. And, and so he's painting a picture of some of the sheep are more aggressive. They're more selfish. They shove everybody out of the way so they can eat first. And what God is now speaking to us, you know, and it, it's sometimes me. It's sometimes easy to get really judgmental with leadership and not look at ourselves. And, and Ezekiel is bringing the focus back. God speaking through Ezekiel is bringing the focus back. He says, you know, Look to yourselves as well. What are you like in your faith community? Are you selfish? Maybe you're not the pastor. Maybe you're not the leader. But are you one of the selfish ones? Is church there just for you, just for what you can get from church? Or when you go to church, you pick the best, best place. Do you, do, you, do, you, do you sort of use church for yourself? Or do you help those weak ones? You know, each of us, as we come into the the house of God, as we come to that community of faith, each of us has something to give. We all belong together, and we can all nurture each other. And yet there can be, and I've been in churches where there's sort of a little core group of people that sort of controls everything, and the church is here for me. And they're selfish about it. And as a result, there's no growth in that church. Because it's it's all for them. And God says, I will not allow that to happen. He says, I will uh, I will judge between you. I will save my flock. They will no longer be plundered. So it's interesting. Again, some of the warnings that God speaks to spiritual leaders, he also then speaks to all of us in all of our roles. And then he says this, I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them. And he will tend them and be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. This idea of David. David was a king in Israel, and David was known as a man after God's own heart. God says, I will place this, this, this king over you, this shepherd over you. And the interesting thing about David is David always, he was not perfect. So in that sense, this image is, don't expect your shepherd to be perfect. David stumbled. He made stupid choices sometimes. He made big mistakes at other times. 
But he honestly loved God's people. And more than that, he honestly loved God. And when every time God challenged him in something that he was doing that was selfish, David's response was repentance. He always said, Father, forgive me. He always turned back, Lord, I am in your hands. And the king that's interestingly contrasted to David is the king Saul. Saul oftentimes said that kind of stuff. Oh, you don't forgive me. I'm sorry, blah, blah, blah. But he was never sorry. He never really truly was repentant. He was always manipulative and he was always out for himself. And so the distinction between Saul and David was David was that man. David was that servant of God that was always repentant. So, you know, for for you and for me, as we are in faith communities together, as we walk together in fellowship, you don't have to be perfect. But you do have to be unselfish. Selfishness is the thing that sinks the ship. Selfishness is the thing that destroys relationships. Selfishness is the thing that tears apart communities. Selfishness is the thing that makes us use other people for our own ends. Makes us harvest the flock, so to speak. And just see them as things to to, to be used for our comfort. You have to get beyond selfishness. Selflessness is what Jesus showed. Selflessness drove him to the cross. Selflessness caused him to lay down his own comforts so that he could go out into the communities and minister to the world. Selflessness. God says, I will put a selfless leader over you. You will be able to turn to this person And they will bring healing into your lives. They will bind up your wounds. They will care for you. And then you will be equipped to care for someone else in like manner. God says, I will provide a place of safety for my sheep, regardless of the surroundings and the dangers around. And this is sort of the hammer. This is sort of the, you know, to use the old curling statement, I think. Yeah, I think that last... uh, that last set of rocks thrown uh, is called the hammer, right? You bring bring the hammer home. And it says uh, in verse 25, I will make a covenant of peace with them and rid the land of savage beasts so that they may live in the wilderness and sleep in the forests in safety. This image of a covenant of peace, a covenant in, in, in the manner that is dis, that is being described here is, is a total commitment. Jesus made a covenant with us when he died on the cross. He made a total commitment. He gave himself completely and fully, regardless of what we gave back. That is a covenant. It is a commitment that God declares to us. I will make a covenant of peace to you. If you belong to me, you will be at peace. And I will take the threats out of your land. And you won't have to lay awake at night because of what might be prowling around. I will make them in the places surrounding my hill of blessing. I will send showers in season. There will be showers of blessing. The trees will yield their fruit. The ground will yield its crops. The people will be secure in their land. They will know that I am the Lord when I break the bars of their, of their uh, enslavement and rescue them from the hands of those who enslaved them. They will no longer be plundered by the nations, nor will wild animals devour them. They will live in safety and no one will make them afraid. I will provide for them a land renowned for its crops, and they will no longer be victims of famine in the land or bear the scorn of the nations. Then they will know that I, the Lord, their God, am with them, and that they, the Israelites, are my people, declares the sovereign Lord. 
You are the sheep of my, you are my sheep, the sheep of my pasture, and I am your God, declares the sovereign Lord. So this final image that we have in this passage is an interesting one. So the shepherds failed. The shepherds began to use uh, their calling for their own thing. God said, I will remove you. And now I will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I will seek the lost and draw them back and all that kind of stuff. And then God said, I will not put up with um, people among the sheep, who uh, people among the flock who are there for selfish purposes either. I will cleanse those as well. And he says, then I will become your shepherd. I will take care of you. And so this description that he gives to his people is that in the midst of a hostile world, in the midst of a world where there's famine, in the midst of the world where there's economic failure, in the midst of the world where there's this and that and the other struggle, he says, I will provide for you. You know, over the years, I have to be honest, you know, it's that's been my experience. I have been provided for by God in so many ways over the years. And I remember back in the day when I first said yes to Jesus in this calling that I'm in, uh, I, I said, Lord, if you'll pay the bills and if you'll provide opportunity, I will know that I'm on track and I will follow. It's not always been easy. I think probably the hardest things have been stuff like betrayals where, you know, you don't feel like you're being treated well and people you love turn against you and it's hard and it hurts. Probably the second hardest thing is looking at my own weaknesses because oftentimes I look at myself and I say, who am I to do what I do? And I don't know if I have the strength to do this or the gifts. And always God comes through and he says, you've got to get your focus back on me. You're mine. And I will take care of you. And more than that, I will use you. And it doesn't depend on your abilities. And it doesn't depend on the economics around you. It doesn't depend on any of that stuff. It depends on me. Somebody says to me, well, yeah, easy to say when, when uh, you know, you're, 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 you're not dependent on a job that just failed. You know, I have been dependent on a job that failed. I have been able to work with a family. And God always provided. Always, always provided. So, you know, the faithfulness of God. You know, God is not interesting, interested in punishing. Even though, you know, in this passage it speaks of his disillusionment. It speaks of his disillusionment with the selfish. But it speaks of his heart for the lost, for the broken for those who need healing. And he says, I will come to you. I will not leave you in the hands of broken human leaders. I will be your shepherd. You know, there's so much more we go into. We could talk about John 10, which is the, the, the chapter about the good shepherd. You know, for those of you who want more, read John 10. It speaks about the heart of God and it speaks about how the sheep love their shepherd speaks about how the shepherd loves its sheep, his sheep. And uh, in closing, let me tell you this little story. I had a buddy of mine, uh, actually this last week, he was telling me a story about being a shepherd when he was young. He said it was one of my one of my jobs in college. In John 10, he was talking about John 10. And in John 10, it says, you know, the sheep, the sheep follow the master because they know his voice and that he loves them and they feel safe with them. The sheep will not follow a stranger because the stranger is strange. They don't trust them. 
and he's dangerous because of that. So the sheep will run away from 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 a stranger. John ten ten, right? Or not John ten ten. John ten, in the first ten verses. And my buddy is saying, yeah, that's true. He said, you know, when I worked on the farm, he says, we part of my job was taking care of the sheep. There's this big flock of sheep on this farm. And he says, the first time I walked into the into the uh, uh, corral with the sheep or into the, the holding pen with the sheep, he says, they took one look at me. And he says, they bolted for the far side of the corral. And he says, it was actually dangerous. He says, because running full tilt, you know, they they pile up against the far wall of the holding pen and, and suffocate each other. Anyway, he says, I backed out of, the, uh, out of the holding pen, and he says that they got themselves all straightened out. The owner walked in and got them all straightened out, made sure they were all good. Anyway, he said, I started my job. And he said, day after day after day for a year, he says, I worked around those sheep, and I brought feed, and I brought this and that. And he says, they gradually settled down and all that kind of stuff. So they, they didn't bolt every time I showed up. Uh, as long as I showed up with the owner, it was good, because the owner was there, and they're safe with him. But if I was alone, I had to be careful. So he, he gradually got these sheep. He said, all useful. Anyway, at the end of the year, he said one day he came to work and he said he saw the sheep running down uh, the ditch heading for town. <laughs> it turned out they had found a hole in the fence and let themselves out. And all it takes, because of the sort of flock mentality, it just takes one adventure, a sheep. He goes out, everybody else follows him. Well, that's what had happened. And my buddy's going, he, he said, without really thinking, he, he hollers at him, sheep, and he points, get back in the pasture. And he said, weirdest thing happened. He said, they turned around, they head back, headed back. They actually led him to the hole in the fence and they all went back in and then he fixed it. He fixed the fence. <laughs> but he said, you know, it stood out to him. He said, somehow during that year, he had gone from hired hand to a shepherd. And those sheep had changed their view of him and he was now safe, you know. And so they they followed him and they obeyed him and they knew that he was there for them. Anyway, you know, as we wrap up this very interesting little talk on Ezekiel 34, may God pour out his spirit upon you. If you have, if you are under unhealthy leadership, um, may God provide for you his presence. Don't let unhealthy leadership destroy your walk with God. If you belong to God, God is even now seeking you out to draw you back to himself. And God's promise is that he will give you peace. He will give you rest. And he will bring healing to things like the betrayals and whatever else, as well as the physical. Let's pray. God Almighty, we tell you we love you. We thank you for your mercy. I thank you for the word of Ezekiel 34, Lord, that uh, you don't leave us in the hands of selfish leadership, but that you have come to us in Jesus to be our shepherd, to be that perfect and beautiful and wonderful leader that we all desperately need, that we can trust. You've come to call us and to draw us and to bring us back, to give us that place of peace and rest, to give us that place of safety. And God, we yearn for that. We yearn for you. So even today, we turn our eyes to you. Thank you, Father, for your faithful to, faithfulness to us. I pray, Lord, for everyone out there within the sound of my voice. And I say to you that the love of God is upon you. The calling of the Holy Spirit is upon you. 
And he says to you, be at peace, for I'm here. In Jesus' name, amen.